2: Yeah, be long, everybody. Back at it here. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. And Tom, if the season were to begin right now, this very second, the Bears are the number two seed in the NFC, and they'd be hosting the L.A. Rams, the seventh seed in the NFC. It's just fun to think about. There's a whole lot of football left to play. But another win in the NFC would certainly harden their stance toward uh, that end, Tommy.
3: You know how many carts you have before the horse? Hey, if, hold you on. Even bring, if you hey, even bring listen. up that topic, start this show for the <laughs> sixth week of the NFL season. Hey, listen, Jeff, you have a whole <laughs> train in front of that cart.
2: I understand that, but it's fun to talk about. It's fun to daydream a little bit. I mean, hey, listen, the NFL's putting this stuff out. They're putting playoff matchups already out there. Who's playing who and when? It's fun to think well, about. I,
3: I think you should just focus on the Rams for this Monday night. (laughs) See what type of team that you can bring out to Los Angeles. Um, He had a bad experience there last year and see if you can turn it around and um, have the growth out of the offense that you need and the consistency out of the defense that you've had.
2: Well, the defense has done a good job just uh, making sure they don't score a lot of points. The Bears just haven't scored a lot of points against the Rams. They've split the last two meetings. To me, it's coming around to be a bit of an interesting rivalry because that 18 game, the Rams were ticked off how the Bears beat them. They they just didn't believe the Bears were better than them, and they went to the Super Bowl obviously and lost. But I remember covering Super Bowl week that week, and you know it, it came up that the Bears had somewhat of a game plan that Bill Belichick used to stop them. So that's in the back of their mind. So to me, there's a little rivalry brewing.
3: Yeah, there is. You know, there's two young head coaches that have taken over organizations that needed to, to get a little spark going, and they have both been able to do that. Now when you get into this this year of each of the coaches and the battles that they've had, wins and losses, you know, it's another, and, and they're all marquee showcases. You know, the the game at the Coliseum, the, the game at Soldier Field, and now the game at the new Ram Stadium that um, – Jeff, i got to believe if this was being played under normal circumstances, 55 to 60% of the fans would be Chicago fans. And I think it would be a great spectacle to see on Monday night opening of your new stadium and seeing it filled with blue Listen, and orange. Listen,
2: you know doggone well that people had that one circled. Uh, first of all, it's a beautiful place. I mean, that's number one. That's a destination, obviously. It's L.A. And you are exactly right. The Bears fans would have gobbled up tickets. It would have been quite the showcase game on Monday Night Football. No question about it.
3: Well, you know, last year when we were at the Coliseum and you could see everybody filter in from every different direction, when that stadium opened, you know, two out of every three people that were coming in that were sporting some type of Bear jersey or color. So it would have equaled it this year. But, you would have been here. You would have been able to hear the Bears a lot more because the sound would not escape like it does the old Coliseum under the roof of the new stadium.
2: This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with our producer Julio Rosas, Jordan Treadup, Dan Barilli, also our producers tonight. We got radio analysts of the Rams coming up. Demarco Far the former Rams defensive tackle, will also be joined by DHC. He's been the star to finish the job the last two weeks on defense for the Bears. Outstanding special teams player DeAndre Houston Carson. Join us at 630. Here's a snippet today, Tom, from Nick Foles. Because the number one topic that comes up is, A, how the offense going to improve, but two... How are you going to deal with Aaron Donald? So just some insight here from the Bears quarterback. In
1: trust. Uh, you know, we, we, every team has a different plan for players as talented as him. And I was his teammate once upon a time. And it was when he was younger. And I just remember going through practice. And I, I didn't really know who he was. I think he was rookie of the year. And it was his second year. I'm like, why can't we block this guy? Like, we have two guys on him. And we are still not blocking him. And then years later, I realized why. The dude's unbelievable. Um, So obviously we have to respect and teams have different plans for him. But at the end of the day, when you play a game, it comes down to trust in your teammates. You can't focus on him. The dude might make a couple plays in the game. Like he's one of the best there is. So he might, but the game's not over after he makes one play. You keep moving on. Uh, So the big thing is getting going through this week, having our plan for their defense and then going out there and executing and ultimately trusting one another and playing as one. Um, but these days are huge. Um, watching the practice film uh, in a couple, like an hour or so, whenever we will, will be huge because then we can make corrections. But obviously, he's
2: a talented player and I look forward to playing against him. Was, was that your approach when you play great players, Tommy? Don't, I mean, you know, he's going to make a player too. just uh, you can't focus on it wrecking your game plan.
3: No, but, you know, you have to have a, a thought process going in there as an offensive lineman. So, as an offensive line. So if you're an uncovered offensive lineman, Jeff, you can never be hitting nobody. You do not have the luxury of just sit there and scan somebody. You gotta go and you gotta fortify the block of Aaron Donald. You gotta go to the backside of whomever's blocking him. And if you're an uncovered lineman to the right side, you gotta be able to have your have your buddies backs. That's the whole game. There is not a play where there's an offensive lineman, they should not have some type of contact with somebody to ultimately take a toll on them as the game wears on.
2: And that would be your plan for Aaron Donald. Hit
3: him as much as possible. Well, you know, Jeff, listen, we are not introduced to this plan, but we saw a plan like this last year in the Raiders game um, after Akeem got hurt. And when they went after and they attacked Khalil Mack relentlessly, they gave an immediate indication, those other ten guys will beat us, but you're not going to beat us. And I think that's the same approach that you have to have with Aaron Donald.
2: You have to attack him from every possible angle. All right, we'll talk about it with DeMarco Farr, the Rams radio analyst, coming up on our next report. This is Bears All Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak, and we're brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The score. Welcome back to Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. And we're brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Welcome back, everybody. And a good choice is to get the radio voice, radio analyst of the L.A. Rams and former star defensive tackle for the Rams, DeMarco Far on the line, always entertaining and always a delight to talk to. And we say good evening to the former Ram. And uh, how long have you been doing the games now on the radio?
4: Oh, my gosh. Let's see.
2: Uh, Since... 2008, started on the pregame
4: show and then nine rotated to the booth.
2: Well, you know, like like Tom always says, uh, you get a decade as a player, you get a decade in the booth. Now, you know, now you've got two careers going. (laughs) So you're you're all good over the long, you're still a young man too. No doubt. Uh, Jack Snow was the guy
4: that did the broadcast when I was a player. And, uh, you know, we always talked about doing this post-career and, you
2: know, here I am. I love it, man. It's the the closest thing you can get to
4: playing without the pain. I love it.
2: I hear you. You know, uh, Jack Snow, because Tom and I, when we go to the ORCA Dome in St. Louis, and boy, does SoFi Stadium look so different, right, DeMarco? We'll talk about that, too. (laughs) But Jack Snow, we loved talking to Jack Snow, a domer. Like Tom, yeah. and, you know, he gave Tom. I I don't know why. I'm gonna embarrass you a little bit. He called you Two Ton Tommy. Remember? Right. Two Ton Tommy. Why, Tom? Wow. Why? When I, when, when I was
3: at Notre Dame, Jack Snow used to come back and and help at spring practice. And so over the course of my four years, I got to know him pretty well and talked to him socially after coaching and after practice and stuff. And it was just uh, it was just great time getting to know Jack and his stardom and everything he meant to the Rams and professional football. No doubt.
4: Tom, have you ever seen his eyes? Was he wearing sunglasses? I bet he was.
3: Um well, <laughs> you know, we we got to when we got to see him it was more of inside at the dome. Oh, and yeah, he, okay. he was like bum phillips you know you don't wear a hat indoors so you know <laughs> oh
2: that's my guy though yep <laughs> hey so tell us first of all about sofi we're, we're bum. we can't travel right now as i uh, i don't know if you guys have been traveling at all as a, as a radio crew but we're not traveling no. yeah uh, it, it looks like a masterpiece when i pull up the game the team notes every day that's the first thing you see it's a it's like the new shiny toy of the national football league and almost their centerpiece facility it sure did cost a lot and it sure does look nice how's it how's it oh, play I- It's gorgeous. It plays well. I mean, look,
4: it's built straight up. I I believe field level is three stories or three floors below ground. So it's built straight up. When they get fans in there, they're going to be right on top of you and it's going to be loud. And I love the way they have uh, the roof. It's kind of like a faux roof during the day. It looks like one stadium. Then when it turns night, when it's when it gets dark outside and they raise the lights, I mean, it's made for primetime. It is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you you guys have been to Dallas. Remember when Dallas was brand new? Mm-hmm. This The same feeling. It's like, wow, this is unbelievable. But just take that up a notch. Uh, they've done a great job at the stadium. Hopefully, the team can do a great job defending that place. It's going to be tough.
3: Well, hey, DeMarco, speaking of defending that place, so – you were listed at six one two seventy six. Aaron Donald is listed at six one two eighty. In the land of giants, where you guys play and you are so successful, what trait do you need in order to be so successful at that size?
4: Well, for me, it was a great get off, uh, great anticipation. I got to jump the snap count. I mean, I really got to get into you before you get into me. You know, if you got you know fifty, sixty, sometimes you know eighty pounds on me it's going to be tough for me to move you or be effective. But that's the difference between me and Aaron. Aaron is just so darn strong. I mean, he is absolutely a monster. So, uh, And he's lighter than what you think he is. So he can actually project himself into you, and then he's got enough strength to get his hands or get your hands off him, and he's always in the play. The second thing is football IQ. Know what's coming uh, read those stances, get into the playbook, get into the film study room, uh, see if you can get a jump on that offense and know where they're going, and then, uh, and then try to beat them there. But with Aaron, look, he is so good, so strong, so everything, that even if he's out of position, it's still a good position for him. He can just put your body in the hole if you've hooked him. So uh, he's, he's absolutely tremendous. And I agree with him, man. He can actually get better from this point. There's a lot of things that he can actually improve on to get better.
3: You know, being an offensive lineman and playing against Reggie White, the great Reggie White, if he lined up over you, you know that you are a marked man and you're going to have a long day. So watching the Redskins game, Aaron Donald lines up over the left tackle, over the right tackle, over the right guard, and then he starts <laughs> deciding who he wants to line up. So if he chooses you early, do you, should you consider yourself a marked man by Aaron Donald?
4: Well, I mean, you know who you are. What do they say at poker? If you can't spot the mark in under an hour, it's you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if it's an obvious passing down, I mean, during the middle of a game where it's, you know, it's time to make a play and he lines up over you, that that tells you something. Either you're that guy or he feels good from that spot, but you have to move him around because, you know, every protection scheme is built to stop him. So if you vary the places he's going to be, it just makes it tougher for the offense to pick him up. Same with J.J. Watt. He moved around. You didn't know where he was going to be from snap to snap, and that affected the offense.
2: All right, here's a nugget for you. It just occurred to me. I, I, you know, I, I knew you were a great player. I remember your 11-and-a-half sack season, but for some reason I had Aaron Donald's stats up, and I just – you guys – he's just played his 100th game. You played 100 games in the NFL. <laughs> Now, uh, here's the deal. <laughs> you, 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 had, you had 36 and a half sacks. I'd say that's a very, very good career, right? You were disruptive. You're, you were collapsing the pocket. You know, you, your young friend over there right now has got 79 and a half, and it seems like yeah. he's just getting going. Now, here's where you got him, though. He's yet to intercept a pass. That's what I, I keep telling them <laughs> you, got, you got three, and you, and you had more tackles. So you can put that on your resume. You go toe-to-toe with them. But oh, both look, no at, look at their careers, 100 games. So you see what you did. You see what he's doing. Uh, can you put that in the context for us?
4: No, I, I've never seen anything like this, his production. Uh, not from that position, no. I mean, I, I used to love watching John Randall play. I used to love watching Warren Sapp play, Bryant Young. You know, all the guys of my era, they were tremendous. They were, they were game wreckers. They were, they were problems. But it's been nothing like this to where you can win at will from anywhere. I mean, he can rush over just about anybody on the offensive line and win. Uh, yeah, this is uh, truly unbelievable. And there was a year, I believe it was two seasons ago, where he finished with 11. He had a chance to break the record I held for, for sacks by an interior lineman on, uh, for, the, for the Rams. And he finished with 11, and he kept staring me down from the bench. <laughs> <laughs> like, eventually, I'll get you. And the next year, I think he had 20. Well, yeah, he yeah. Yeah, had yeah. two 11s.
2: He had an 11 and 15 and 17, and they went up to 20 and a half and 18. He, yeah. blew, he blew your doors off. Absolutely. And that, that's what he said without even saying it.
3: <laughs> hey, DeMarco, is Jared Goff the key ingredient in this offense, or is there another ingredient that's uh, equally as important?
4: Well, he's the guy. He's the quarterback. He's the trigger man. I mean, yeah, he's the most important guy. You you have to keep him upright, and you've got to get him going if you're going to be successful on game day. But I would say the running game. Uh, Sean McVay's offense is is dependent upon a running game uh, getting the defense to buy play action. That's how you get Jared Goff on the edges. That's how you create space for those 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 crossing routes, those tight end screens and whatnot. If you don't buy runs, you can just sit on it and get pressure on Jared Goff. That's what teams did last season. So. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy. If Jared Goff throws for 300 and he's the player of the week, that's awesome. But I bet there was a credible and a consistent running game that kind of paced him. So I, I think that's most important. Daryl Henderson or, or, or um, uh, Akers, the, the rookie they just brought in, or Malcolm Brown. Uh, they've been using three guys pretty much all season long. It does not matter who carries the football, but you have got to keep the defense honest and pace Jared Goff.
2: Rams analyst DeMarco Farr, the former defensive tackle with the Rams. Our guest here on Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy with Jeff and Tom breaking things down. I'm looking at your tight ends, Gerald, Gerald Everett. Uh, he's got some big play to him, Tyler Higbee. You know, he's got three. T- all came against the Eagles in one game, but he, he's proven to be worth every penny. What do those two add to the dynamic? Because we could easily just talk about Robert Woods. We can easily talk about Cooper Cup. But what do those guys bring to the table? Well, they're, they're, well, look, Gerald Everett is a big play waiting to happen, and they move him all over. He's
4: kind of the H. They, they line him up as a fullback in the eye, and he can lead up on linebackers. It's not his ballywick, but he's willing to do it. But that opens everything up. Think 49ers' offense uh, with their fullback. It's just uh, it's the same sort of weapon you can use in the passing game. And Higby is he's just like George Kittle. I mean, George Kittle, I think, is the top of the league. Uh, if you line up with a smaller guy, he can block you. If you line up with a bigger guy, uh, he can run around those guys. Higby is of that same vein. So they they have this, a, a similar approach with, with the tight ends that they, that the Niners do, depending on what you do to line up against their personnel group, their tight ends should have uh, the advantage or a one-on-one advantage. So, you know, Higby is a guy that kind of goes quiet he goes dormant. And then all of a sudden he pops up and has, you know, a, a, a great stretch or a big game or a, a big month or whatnot. And Gerald Everett has been a guy that's kind of found his niche in the offense. so, You know, I'd like to go 12. A lot of people would like to go 12, two tight end sets, and stay in it. That keeps defenses kind of balanced, and you can pick that apart. But, you know, it's just been a little bit tough, especially last week when the 49ers kind of get ahead and you you have to throw to keep up.
3: Hey, DeMarco, Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, he's a pretty outgoing, pretty loud, instigating type of guy. So is it something that you want to match wits with him or just ignore him every time that he has a chance to be on the play?
4: Well, if you're going to match wits, you better be pretty good at trash talk and you better have (laughs) thick skin because he's going to stay on you. But man, I mean, he has been worth every penny. Uh, You hear about guys and their reputations and then you see it up close. You get to see him in practice. First of all, his body, it looks like he's from Mars. I mean, they just don't make cornerbacks that tall, that lean with that long of arms that can run like that. Uh, So that's impressive. I mean, he's really good in one-on-one. He can shut you down. The shut you down corner, that is that guy. But He's also the Rams' hardest hitter right now. I mean, he is a violent tackler. I mean, he really, really sets the tone defensively, So, and they're moving him around. They're putting him in the slot. They're putting him outside of the numbers. They're putting him just about everywhere, and he can cover just about anybody. So love his demeanor, love his attitude, as long as it's within the white lines. You have to keep it there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found that out a little bit. Uh, with Golden Tate, that seemed to be a personal issue there. So they, they did hit him with that one, a little bit of uh, a fine and whatnot. Can I, DeMarco, can I make with, a point
4: there? Yeah, whatever yeah. Go right Golden, whatever Golden Tate got at the end of the game, and look, I never advocate fighting or throwing punches or whatnot, but watching those two go at it during the game, yeah, he,
2: he earned everything he got.
4: <laughs> really, he did.
2: <laughs> DeMarco, what is your view, and what are they talking about in L.A. about the 5-1 and one Bears? Because we certainly hear a lot of local uh, concern and whatnot despite that record what's what's more of you from your uh, point of view now as you've broken down some of their tape well the first thing that jumps out is their defense uh, just big strong up the, up the gut and look we've
4: the Rams have played Chicago so we know about a- a- Akeem Hicks I like Bilal Nichols in the middle I mean Khalil Mack is a guy that you know, you have to account for like Aaron Donald and you know Robert Quinn is You know, he was here. So the Rams know him and good linebacker. So the first thing that jumps out is defense. It's going to be tough to move the football on the ground. And uh, Chuck Pagano really has them playing well. So that's, that's going to be tough sledding for the Rams. Uh, The other side, it depends on what, what Nick Foles you get. Uh, Nick Foles is a guy that in my opinion, when he's hot or when he's on can give anybody fits from elite on down. So uh, you, you hope you catch the bad Nick Foles and, you hope that the Bears can't replicate what the 49ers did last week with these jet sweeps and these tosses away from Aaron Donald just making the defense have to really sing for their supper. So you hope some of that can't translate. But like you said, if Nick Foles gets rolling, if that offense gets rolling coupled with that defense, and I know some people like to say that the Bears maybe aren't as good as a 5-1 and record, which I don't understand. <laughs> They're 5-1. and You are what your record says you are. But if the offense can – match what the defense is doing, I think the Bears are going to be in it come December.
3: Hey, uh, DeMarco, when you look at the Bears' defensive back, Kyle Fuller, in the last couple weeks, he's had a couple of game-changing plays. One of them, the flag was picked up. One of the flag was kept on the ground, and they were both legal hits. As an ex-defensive player, when you see those types of hits, whether they happen on behalf of the Rams or other defensive players around the league, is it frustrating to you or... Do you just say, hey, that's the way of the game now, even though it's so disappointing?
4: Yeah, there was a a hit here uh, a couple of weeks ago. uh, Excuse me, it was actually up in Washington. uh, The one that knocked, um, oh, my gosh, who was starting for Alex Smith? Uh, Kyle Allen?
3: Yeah, Kyle Allen,
4: yes. Kyle Allen, yeah. I mean, he's scrambling for a first down, and Jalen Ramsey, like we talked about, came up and just absolutely tattooed him. Now, it's an angle tackle. Uh, there's one guy trying to dive out for a first down and there's a corner or a DB coming up to stop him and they flagged him for it. They gave him a free first down. It knocked the guy out, put in Alex Smith. But I mean, look, if what do you want him to do? Uh, you can't let guys just have first downs. Uh, you're not thinking player safety. You're thinking get off the field. So I always judge it by this. If the defender has a chance to do something else, then you should try to err on the, you know, the side of safety. Get it. Uh, don't penalize your team and try not to hurt someone. Try not to tag a guy in the head. But if it's just bang, bang, there's nothing he can do. You know, I feel bad for the officials. They have to make those calls. But it's like, man, I mean, the defense, they're playing football too. You know, you can't penalize them just for doing their job. So it's just one of those things. And it's one of those things you have to swallow and move on the next play.
2: All right, DeMarco, appreciate all the time, and uh, good luck on Sunday, and good luck for the rest of the season for you guys. And uh, too bad we can't uh, say hello when we get there, but uh, maybe down the road, maybe in the playoffs, who knows? No no doubt. I hope so. Good to talk to you guys. Good to talk to you. Rams radio analyst DeMarco Farr, always a pleasant personality. We enjoyed him over the years. uh, when We went down to St. Louis, Tommy, and visited with him. I had some great, great folks down there in St. Louis. I'm sure they missed their Rams, but uh, they got a home now with the L.A. Rams. We'll talk about all that with DeAndre Houston Carson coming up at the bottom of the hour. Thanks for joining us tonight. This segment of Bears All Access brought to you by Microsoft Surface and CDW. People who get it, learn more at CDW.com. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Hey, Bears fans, it's important to stay connected now more than ever. And at Motorola, we love making that possible. With the new Razor, you can enjoy staying connected a little bit more. It's a phone. It's an accessory. It's an icon reinvented. Hello, Moto. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, good to be with you once again. As we await DeAndre Houston Carson to join the program. While we wait for that, we got the news of the day. Injury-wise, Tommy, rest days for Ted Ginn Jr., Jimmy Graham, and Danny Trevathan. So that's been Pretty much the case uh, so far this season. Akeem Hicks out with an illness today. Sherrick McManus working through another uh, injury groin now. It's a hamstring and buster screen with an ankle. He left the game briefly on Sunday. So he's important in this matchup. There is no question because of Cooper Cup in that slot is one of the best slot guys in the NFL.
3: Listen, that position in the NFL, Jeff, it's equally as important as any defensive position out in the field. And sometimes it's more of a picked-on position. So, yeah, the importance of Buster Screen since he's come in here, his ability to tackle, his willingness, and the desire to play physical brand of football – yeah, it's, it's been good for the Bears, and he has an important role on this team, especially against this upcoming offense.
2: And limited today, Deion Bush, is uh, he tries to get back with his hamstring. And Rashad Coward, Tom, with a finger injury today, uh, so he was limited at left guard.
3: That makes me nervous because one thing about playing against Aaron Donald, if you don't have perfect hands and feet – it's almost impossible to try to get in front of them and sustain contact to keep them off the running back or off of the quarterback. So uh, you're going to have to go in there with a healthy, confident offensive line. And, you know, I I guess Rashad is the best candidate to put in there, but if it had to be Alex Bars, he has experience.
2: Yeah, working through a shoulder injury himself, he was a full go today. Interesting to hear DeMarco Farr talk about it. We saw it on tape when you watched the Rams game. Yes, the fly sweeps and running away from Aaron Donald, keeping things on the edges. Do you think that's the best way to go about it? Yeah,
3: I think in any pass play, you got to get the ball out of your hands as, of the quarterback as quickly as possible. I don't think you ever want him to know the direction contact is coming from. And you got to take a, uh, advantage of his assets. If you have a guy that has such tremendous bursts off the line of scrimmage, you can trap him, you can run draws against him to take him out of out of his his confident frame, uh, space on the field
2: seven and a half sacks right now leading the nfl for D, uh, this guy aaron Donald. bears have gotten used to seeing him here the last couple of years all right time to welcome in uh, our guest tonight here on bears all access bears safety and special team star deandre houston carson to the program welcome to 670 the score and bears all access how you doing tonight dhc
0: i'm doing very well thank you for having me
2: uh, our pleasure thank you for your time uh what a wonderful last couple of games uh, for for not only the team but uh, you know for you in, in terms of the opportunity to get in there at the end of the game at the at the most critical time to try and finish a, finish a game and you've had your hand on the ball in, in both cases uh, how' does that make you feel right now
0: well like you said the, the number one thing is obviously we won. And I was definitely very happy to, um, to do my part at the, at the end of those games and to help contribute to the team win.
3: Hey, DeAndre, I want to go over those two plays real quickly. So at the Tampa game, when you guys were in the huddle, the last play of the game, did you guys mention around the huddle, hey, it's fourth down, so understand the importance of this down? Because, again, echoes goes back to the Tom Brady thing, thinking that it might have been third down. Did you guys say it amongst yourself that it's fourth down?
0: You know what? I'm not actually too sure if um, it was relayed, you know, around the guys, but uh, I can see for myself. You know, I knew it was fourth down, and I think I think most of the guys knew. Um, you know, just in that situation, looking to the sideline and getting the personnel and, and and looking at the down and distance. That's something that our that our safeties typically communicate on every play. Um, so I don't think there was there might have, there might not have been any extra emphasis, but the safeties typically communicate the down and distance and the personnel group is in the
3: game okay now let's go to the last play in the Carolina Panthers game you guys break the defensive huddle you back into your position you see kind of a semi-stack receivers take us through from that moment on what you're thinking and how you just kind of like slid so confidently into the position that you were defending where you made the interceptions but can you take us what is going through your mind when you see the offensive formation setting up in front of you
0: yeah, so I was just I was just considering what what my role was and then, you know, what the offense uh, potentially could be presenting us with. And so um it was just it happened to be a perfect storm. That was that was my zone on that play. And so I was just thinking, you know, get back to my get back to my landmark. And uh the the D line did a great job rushing and and uh the throw was there and just uh came down with it.
2: DeAndre Houston Carson, our guest here on Bears All Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Uh, you got a lot of compliments from teammates. There's a lot of respect for you in that locker room. And, you know, Akeem Hicks in particular uh, was, was very strong in his post-game comments about what you are all about, what your preparation is all about. And, you know, and I had uh, your special teams coordinator, uh, Chris Tabor, on the Bears Coaches Show on WBBM on Monday night. We talked a great deal about you as well because, you know, I look at you – as just a pure football player, and not put into the box that sometimes happens with special team stars, and I would put you in that category as well. But the the work that must be done to be prepared defensively to go in at any moment because you don't know you don't know what the situation is going to be. Here you are going in uh, these last two games at uh, 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 crunch mo- crit- critical moments. Uh, just um, how do you fer- ferret out your time and your and your your amount of investment in terms of tape watching with all the defense tape and then you got to do all your special team stuff as well how do you balance that
4: yeah so as far
0: as tape goes you know the way the way I look at it is is I'm a starter on two different phases of the game so you know obviously I watch lot I watch a lot of tape on special teams um and I prepare like a starter in that aspect and then on defense just you know the way the NFL works out and football works out you always have to be ready so I try to watch film like I'm a starter as well on that aspect um and that way and that's something I've been trying to do since my rookie year I had a coach give me some really good advice and say you know get your routine solidified and your habits solidified so that way that way when your time comes you don't have to change anything you're already your routines already the same and you don't have to be trying to scramble to to try to change things because it's your opportunity you'll be ready for it when it comes so that's the approach i've tried to take i try to take you know do the same thing on mondays tuesdays wednesdays and leading up to the game and my pregame routine i try to do everything the same so that way whenever the time comes i don't have to to bat a knob, just be ready for it.
2: <clears throat> well, you don't. You don't have to be nervous or like, oh my gosh, uh, what what do I do next? Because you know, hey, just a couple weeks ago, I had a conversation with Javon Wims and saying, you know, there were times in his rookie year, uh, especially against, he, he he was like, oh my god, don't don't put me in the game. I don't. He, he admitted it. Like, I don't. I don't know if I'm ready. And he was. It turned out he was. He was ready. He played a really good game against the Vikings in Week 17. But not every player learns that right away. That it is a commitment that you have to do you have to do it that way and 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 in your case who was the coach that told you that and i just assume you were going to be that way anyway without his advice because you just seem that type of a player
0: yes yeah, so my old brother team's coach jeff rogers um was the one who who gave me that piece of advice particularly and then also, you know, my rookie year, I was kind of up and down too, as far as being active and not being active, and there were some times where I didn't know if I was going to be active until an hour and a half before the game, so I just had to had to prepare like I was going to be up and I think that's just something that stuck with me since then
3: you know, dee throughout my entire career, from the first game to my last game, I was on kickoff return. So I take a big special interest and I've never b I have never I this is probably the most exciting year because last week or two weeks ago during the broadcast, Jeff was making it a description and he said nine and a half yards deep and he's gonna take it out. How exciting is that for you guys? Last week was a different animal because the kicker was kicking it ten yards out of the back of the end zone. But when you know that it's every ball is returnable because of Cordero Patterson. How exciting is that for you guys as a group, understanding no matter how far or what the hang time is, there's a good chance you're coming out with it?
0: Yeah, it's definitely exciting. Anytime 84 has a ball in his hands, it's exciting. And so for us, you know, we just try to make our blocks and, and give him any sort of alleyway because we know he can go the distance on any play. And so, that you know, that's exciting to be a part of that. And um, it's also a great responsibility to, to make sure that, you know, we're doing our assignments and making our blocks and do what we need to do because, you know, we all want to be successful in that aspect of the game.
3: You know, if you guys were going out to L.A. and circumstances were normal, this would probably be a majority Chicago crowd. As you go into these stadiums, Atlanta, Mercedes stadiums, or even Carolina, how are you tapping into your emotions to make sure that you're mentally prepared emotionally prepared to go out and play a game from beginning till end? Because, you know, you could have a little downtime in the course of the game. But how, what is the challenge of staying excited excited the whole time?
0: So, again, I, I had a coach who, told, who said one time that execution fuels emotion. And so I've, I've always tried to operate in that way, not to get too emotional, you know, before the game, when, when you, when you know the game plan and you're confident in the game plan and confident in the preparation you put in all week, and then you go out there and you execute what you've been practicing. To me, that, that view was more than anything. And obviously, you know, the crowd noise and the adrenaline and all those sort of things, you know, also play a major role in that. Um, But right now I think this, the saying holds even more true just because you don't have that extra external, um, influence as far as your adrenaline. So it's really about executing your job and when you do that it's exciting. And then you know, there's there's times in the game where not having fans, um, you know, it you can really tell. And I know for me, um, like on special teams, a lot of times I kind of depend on the crowd noise to tell me what's going on. Like if the crowd if I'm making a block and the crowd is, is screaming, I know that, you know, the return is probably still running with the ball so I need to keep blocking it. So there's times <laughs> where it's kind of It's kind of weird why I don't have that feedback. And so I just – there's been a few times where I've been blocking like five seconds after the whistle just because I don't know. (laughs) I don't know that the whistle's been blown. I don't know if he's down yet or not. So um, there's definitely like small things like that that I wouldn't have thought about before the year started that's been interesting playing without fans this year.
3: Do you know what would have been interesting, The la- listening to the stadium the last two weeks, either your your play on the fourth down against uh, the Tampa Bay or what you would have done to the Carolina Stadium on an interception of a play like that. So, you know, some of that noise in support or disappointment that, you know, you kind of walk out of the stadium you know what the feeling is because you've heard it before, but it would have been nice to hear for yourself in the last two weeks.
0: Yeah, no no doubt. No doubt. And um, I, actually those two plays, and I, I think a lot of times in football, you can probably assess, you're so locked in that sometimes you don't even notice what's going on around you. Things just slow down and you're just like in the zone. And so for me, that's kind of how I felt the last, the last two weeks. Like it, it may be, I don't know. I can't speak to that, but maybe it would have been different if there were fans there. But I just feel like I was just so zoned in and locked in that I didn't really even notice whether it was quiet or loud. Or, you know what I mean?
2: <clears throat> well, I tell you what, from a broadcasting point of view at Soldier Field, <laughs> we're Soldier Field. I I cannot take my headset off even during timeouts because I did for a you know for one of the games and I took it and it's like. It's like you're in somebody's backyard and there's a few people there and you hear some rumbling noise. But that's about it unless the the, the loudspeakers are cranking music or something. It was too eerie for me. I also thrive on energy and enthusiasm and that just natural thing that happens when you take the air. So I have to keep my headset on with a lot of crowd noise that's cranked up in there just So I don't lose my focus. So I can only imagine what it's like for you guys. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, our guest here on Bears All Access. Uh, You know, you got a lot of history based on your roots at William & Mary. Because whether people know it or not, uh, it's where you were taught the game there, you know, at at a very key level. But, you know, Mike Tomlin's a class of 95. Sean McDermott, the class of 98. The great Marv Levy was a head coach there. Uh, Lou Holtz was a head coach there. Dan Quinn coached there on an entry level as an assistant coach. Uh, there's a lot of, of coaches and that, those types of minds of football that, that came out of that institution one way or another. Either they went there and played there or they coached there at some point. Why is that, in your opinion, as a, as a graduate and, and a product of William & Mary?
0: You know that's a, that's a good that's a really good question. I I would probably say it's just at a certain point when when you can name a list like that of people who have gone before you, I think it becomes part of the culture. Um, it's kind of like I don't know uh, football in South Florida or something. It's like all these people have come out of there, and you try to you try to understand exactly why. And I think it's probably nuanced. Um, exactly why that is, but I think it becomes part of the culture you know you've seen people who have done it from where you are and so you know what the blueprint is and you know that it's it's possible and you can do it. So I think I think that's part of it and then also I think for for coaching at least at women Mary's, I think it has to do with you know just the type of people that go there um, the type of people that attend that school um, and not the same it's not the same everywhere else but typically you know highly, highly motivated individuals and and um, guys who know how to work and put and put the work in so like i said i think it's probably nuanced but but it's definitely really cool to look at to look at that list and, and know that you know you're in the line um joe brady even the the offensive coordinator for the panthers now i was a teammate with him um oh, wow. at went and mary no um, kidding so you know it's just it's pretty cool
2: wait you were a teammate of his
0: yeah, yeah. So we definitely played together one year. I, I, I really can't remember if we played together. We might have played together two years um, at William and Mary. And wow. he's a great guy, really good football coach, obviously. But
4: um, well,
2: that's got to be, oh. be a little bit weird because <laughs> he's on the sideline now as a coach. And you're not that old yet, DHC. You got a ways to go. I mean, I know he's, I think he's just turned 31 or he's going to turn 31. But that's a great story. I didn't know that one. That's a, that's a good nugget right there. And, and I interrupted, yeah, you said something about what, DJ?
0: Oh, I was just going to say, there was another coach on the staff as well, DJ Mangus. We played together for a year as well. So it's just, you know, it goes to what you're talking about as far as the culture and, and all the guys who have come out of that program. Um, and it's pretty unique to be a part of that.
3: AD, now that we're uh, obviously five or six weeks into the regular season, considering you went, what you went through in the off season, do you feel that you did come in prepared physically or – would you would there would there would you change anything about the way you got prepared, knowing now what you know, but you never knew that before in the history of your football life? What you were going to get prepared for, the restraints, the time, and all the new protocol going on.
0: Uh, for me, I, I wouldn't say I would change anything. Um, it was it was in a weird way, kind of a blessing in disguise, and, and two, in two ways when it come down to the way the off season went. We had a lot of time to just watch film, obviously because we couldn't do practices for OTAs. So we're able to be very specific in detail with a lot of with a lot of the film and a lot of the assignments. Um, and then for for training purposes, it was it was unique because it was a stretch of whatever it was, seven months straight where you could just focus on training the way you want to train. And so for me, you know, I I, I feel like it was good to be able to take advantage of all that all that time that we had and also you know with my I had a, a daughter who was born in March and so just being able to spend time with her and still you know do what I need to do when it comes to my career was was a blessing in disguise as well so no I, I don't think I would change anything and it was it was it was kind of not fun but it's interesting to be a part of to be a part of this season.
2: Yes, it is. It's one that you will never, ever forget. Hopefully, the, the end of the rainbow has some some great surprise and uh, some great reward for everybody involved. Uh, before we let you go, I really appreciate you carving out some time with us for, for tonight. Uh, this is DeAndre Houston, Carton, the Bears safety and special teams player, as the Bears get ready for the Rams. Uh, what's your what's your sneak peek preview of this Rams team that uh, now you face the last uh, two years in a row and in big moments? I mean, it's a big big attention game, and this one is no different.
0: Yeah, you know, Coach Pagano says something that I think is um, very applicable. He, he says this game is the biggest game, um, and that's it's because it's the next game. And so we try to take that approach. Um, they're, they're a really good team, very well coached. You know, They got a lot of good players. And so uh, we've just been putting in a game plan and, and, you know, hoping to go out there and execute and play at a high level out there on Monday night.
2: Well, you uh, have have a great time. Good luck, and uh, thank you so much for your time. You're having a great season, man. Hope it uh, hope it ends well.
0: Okay, thank you, and thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Oh,
2: nice our station. pleasure. DeAndre Houston Carson, Bears safety. When we come back, we'll hear from snippets of today's news conferences by Zoom with Nick Foles and Matt Nagy. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Yeah, the Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lauren Screedon cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 11.05 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago, or watch anytime at ChicagoBears.com or on the Bears' official app. Jeff and Tom, uh, as we look ahead now to the Rams, up. you know, the Bears did go a little up-tempo. It's in the it's in the scheme. Matt Nagy's done it many times over the course of his uh, coaching career, Tommy, but Nick Foles today asked when he feels is the best time for it because things were looking good.
1: I think the big thing is communication. Like I'm constantly talking to coach Nagy and we have an idea of what we want to do. And the coaching staff has an idea of what we want to do. So um, there'll be specific times where you implement change of pace or change of this or different personnel. It's always good to have that. And for us to do that effectively is huge. I think it's shown uh, it's something that we can build on. It's it's shown in games where we've been down and we've had to go no huddle, and it's helped us get back in games that, once again, theoretically, statistically, we should have lost at that point in the game, but we weren't. We didn't because our defense did a great job giving us the ball back. Special teams did their job, and we were able to put points on the board with that no huddle. Um, but I think it's great to have that ability to go do that
2: when you need it. Tommy, what do you think of it for the Bears in this particular offense?
3: I like it. If you can go on the field fresh and you have an attack that can create fatigue in the opponent's defense, I think it is a good pace, a good change of pace. However, I would always have to look and take defense into consideration. If the defense just came off the field after an exhausted drive, no. I'm not going no huddle because if you don't get a first down, then your defense is right back on the field, and then you're putting those guys in a tough spot. If I get the defense that has a three and out, they're well-rested, man, I'm going on the attack. And I'm going on the attack, and I'm going to bring it vertically at least a couple times early to try try to see if I can get behind the defense within that no huddle attack. So I like it. I like the pacing of it, and I like the fatigue it creates if the defense doesn't get a chance to change personnel groupings. Did you
2: hear Nick's entire news conference today, by chance?
3: N- not the whole thing, no. No,
2: no. But the the confidence that is oozing out of this man's pores about his teammates, where they're going, what his expectations are. How dangerous he wants this offense to become. Uh, He he is that. He just, it's natural for him. Matt Nagy talked about it. He's not trying to be flip. He's a guy that rides on emotion and lives in the moment. He spoke about it. Obviously, after the game about you want to lose pretty or win ugly. And what he meant by that was that, he, you know, he, he cares about winning first and foremost.
3: Right, but well, you know what it also, if you had a chance to go back and you had a look at you had a chance to look at the tape, what things can you do specifically to make this offense better? Uh, considerably and i think there's a lot of elements in every single play for example the first play of the game they run a rollout pass to jimmy graham and they got the receiver deep throw the ball to jimmy graham immediately and put him on the offensive while he's attacking the defender so it's just little things like that it's like on the eighth play of the game cole comet and rashad coward both pulled from the left to the right hand side they hit the same guy. Now, if they have more reps and time to communicate after watching the tape, and they run that same play again, and they know exactly who their responsibility is, that play's turning into a 40-yard gain. David Montgomery is not cutting it back into an unblocked tackle, a tackle and it's for a gain of one. So when you're talking about how much better you can make this offense that's why nick folds is exciting he sees the same thing on tape that anybody who's invested or has spent a lot of time um watching tape and understanding football that they are there is considerable improvement they can make just by getting things timed up more correctly and
2: obviously the o-line needs to be more consistent obviously both run and pass protection and, you know, plays like uh, to Darnell Mooney. You talked about it at length during the broadcast. He, he's, he can, but is not his skill set where you're really looking to use him. Is He's not a go-up-and-get-it guy. He's a go up and go after a guy. And, go. you know, the Bears are the only team in the league without a 40-yard pass play this year. You know, so that, that is something that I could see down the road, too, in timing when he gets behind a defense and he's streaking down the sideline and Foles hits him for a touchdown.
3: You know, I know you you always kind of tease me when I say things are repetitiously done. When you talk about Darnell Mooney, if you can get him in a pattern where he's running away from Jalen Ramsey, you're going to have a lot better chances, percentages to succeed rather than throwing a 50-50 ball up against those two because that is advantage defender.
2: All right, it'll be interesting to see how they deploy uh, that boy. <laughs> Ramsey, uh, he talked to uh, – go back on YouTube if you want. He was chatting up everybody. They had him mic'd up for the Bears game last year. He took yeah, cracks I at remember. every Bears receiver. It was something. All right, got to take one more break. We'll be right back. Some final thoughts as we get you set for Bears-Rams Monday Night Football. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Bears and Rams on Monday Night Football, a battle of top 10 defenses. Uh, Tom, they're allowing uh, 19 points a game. Bears, one of the best as well. Khalil Mack, third in NFL pass rush, according to Pro Football Focus, with a win rate of 22%. Aaron Donald can wreck a pocket. You got the Bears making life difficult for opposing quarterbacks. I mean, Jared Goff, he has uh, a big... uh, you know, he's got to remember what happened in 2018. Things did not go well. They put pressure on him, and, and things started to deteriorate. But the Bears are, are have low completion percentage uh, against these guys. So, you know, it's going to be interesting battle. It's strength versus strength, and those corners are playing so physical right now for the Bears.
3: Well, strength versus strength. So, I mean, you got to figure out how to block Aaron Donald, and they have to figure out how to block the three kings, as you say, and that's Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, and Khalil Mack. To me – you know, you have three options, defensively speaking, for the Bears, how you could set it up against that offensive line. In the Rams, you got one guy you got to concentrate on, and that that is Aaron Donald. Get him blocked, and you can have some success. Go All after right. Leonard Floyd.
2: Yeah, well, that's what you keep saying. <laughs> we'll find out about the ex Bear. He's got a couple of sacks for the Rams. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to everybody involved, including Julio Rossayas, Jordan Tredup. Dan Barilli, and most of all, you to are listening. For Tom there I'm Jeff Joniak. We'll talk to you on WBBM, 415 pregame show, 715 Monday night. It's Bears-Rams, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night.